What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Old English D, a Detroit Tigers podcast. As always, I am one of your hosts, Casey, alongside Josh. How are we doing this week, Josh? Casey, doing pretty, pretty good, pretty fantastic. Yeah, as a, as a recording note, we're actually recording on Sunday evening this time around, and uh, Tigers took uh, four to two. Nope, two to one. Sorry, I was thinking of the last game. Two to one win against the Guardians. And they took the series. And honestly, that might be the only positive thing we have to talk about. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was a fine week of baseball. We saw some some competitive games. We'll put it that way. But uh, before all that, how was how was the rest of your week? Uh, pretty good. Not really a whole lot to talk about. Work. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really uh, don't think there was much for me of note. I uh, looking forward to this long weekend. I'll say that. I know uh, Memorial Day kind of it's one of those holidays that kind of creeps up on you. But we both have some obligations to tend to, so we're gonna re- go ahead and record on the Sunday evening, which probably works a little bit better with our schedules. But uh, yeah, so getting right into it. Um, the Tigers are now 17 and 29. Almost drawing, 20 wins. Almost to yeah, 20 wins. Drawing us literally what I was just about to say. Do we do we hit 20 wins before we have 30 losses? The likelihood is very small. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't doesn't look very promising on that front. But no, I think not at all. 20 wins by the end of the week isn't a stretch. Uh yeah. Yeah, I would say that that's a fair, that's a fair bet. We have quite the schedule ahead of us, but we'll get to that later. Um, Looking back at this week, we had a series loss against the Twins, as as we do. Uh, That series was pretty ugly, uh, as predicted. Um, We did take one game uh, from them, but, you know, kind of cut your losses on that one. And then, you know, surprisingly, we did get a series win against the Guardians. Now, little asterisks by that. We did have a postponement. Uh, these postponements are adding up. We now have a doubleheader July 4th, which is actually going to be pretty cool, I think. That might be a game to bookmark and go to. Are, are we home for those games on July 4th? I literally just uh, pulled up the schedule here. I I'm feel like we should be because if that's the case, I mean, typically when they try and reschedule doubleheaders, they do it, you know, same home field advantage and stuff. We so. we are. We are yeah. home. Ooh, that, might be, that might be a day to... To go, I I've been trying to like pinpoint. I'm pretty sure I'm going to go to a couple games in August um, with a buddy of mine, actually in Cleveland. But like, it's been tough to want to spend money on these tickets. But like last year, you and I went to a game. I went to like four other games. It was a great year last year, and this year, whew, not so sure. But what are our what are some of our takeaways from the series loss against the Twins and the series win against the Guardians? Um, the pitching continues to impress me. Um, you know, you see a team that's seventeen and twenty nine, and you think that it's going to be terrible all around. But no, this this pitching staff is still, I think, either seventh or eighth best by ERA in the league, and that just speaks to how terrible the offense has been, but the team, you know, the pitching staff has been good despite the, you know, cacophony of injuries that they've had. And I I don't know. I don't know. It's, you never know what offense is going to show up, but it seems like you always know that it's going to be at least a half decent pitching effort. 
at the very least. Yeah, I and mean, they're cobbling together some games, and it's all on the backs of the pitching. Um, and maybe Harold Castro. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll get into it a little bit too, but, I mean, like every injury that comes across – um, seems like every single one of these pitchers needs to be bubble wrapped at this point. But I mean, if this team could hit just a little bit, just a little bit, I feel like we'd be very close to a 500 ball club, but for some reason, they just look all so dejected at the play and no one is contributing minus. I mean, I think Miguel Cabrera and Harrow Castro have a combined like 400 batting average and, who knows what their OPS plus is, but I mean, like it, it's a problem when you're, you know, at this point, 20 year veteran and you're uh, sometimes bench player, sometimes Homer and Harold is carrying the offense. There are way too many good names on this ball club to have it be all on them. And honestly, it's, 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 kind of sad and i think you know taking like a step back who are we you know worried about most on the offensive side so i think a big temptation especially for me is to look at the bigger names when it comes to the offense and and to point fingers at at what's going on the the thing that i keep going back to and I'm thinking specifically of Javier Baez, but the thing about it is, is this is kind of not to this extent, maybe, but this is a little bit of the status quo is how, of how he hits, how he approaches things. He's leading the league in chase right, right now. And, you know, you, you would hope that he would be able to do a bit better, but it's not been happening so far. He's chasing quite a bit and he's, and he's struggling. So, I know a big temptation for me is would be like, yeah, it's Javier Baez. He's been awful and he has been, but I think that the way he hits, I mean, he's going to be a little streaky. We still exciting to watch the play. Every time, every time he takes a swing and like he hits the ball anywhere. I'm like, Oh, here we go. (laughs) Cause it look, it jumps off the bat. I mean, it really does. Obviously it hasn't translated to anything. Uh, statistics wise. And I think he's batting sub 200 at this point, um, but he's still fun to watch. He still is a possibly an exclamation point. Yeah. I think, I think my biggest, you know, question mark for this team is uh Jamer Candelario. Now mm-hmm. he, he's kind of showing has, up though. Sometimes as of, as of late, you know, maybe the last month he's, he's approved a little bit. I think, we would have a little bit better of opinion of him had he had a better, you know, first two weeks of the season. I think that that's that bad slump he had to start the year was, has definitely skewed our opinion of his season when he's, you know, hitting down high one hundreds, low two hundreds. But if he can't keep, if he can't continue to to hit well and even hit a fraction of the way he did last year, I have some serious questions about him because, you know, he's not, you know, knock you over great at third base. He's, he's a, he's an average defensive third baseman, I would say. And he, he's, he makes some questionable throws over to first 
And you, you just wonder with third base being such a premium position in major league baseball, you know, could a Tigers team that's wanting to compete do better if he's not performing up to snuff? I think they can. I mean, you think of all of the, the great third basemen in the league and the ceiling is so high. I mean, like Nolan Arenado, guys like that, like you have such a high bar when it comes to that position. And I just, Candy's not been, not been meeting that. So I would have a question about him specifically, but what do you think? Here's my thing on Candy. And I know it's a little bit of appeal to tradition, but I mean, you're talking about Tigers player of the year, two years running. I mean, I, 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 he's an established name on this ball club at this point, whether we like it or not. And I mean, yeah, I think up until halfway through last year, probably. And specifically, I remember a very uh, seminal moment for him last year was the home run in the uh, Seattle game where Turnbull threw the no hitter. Um, That, that game really looked like he turned a corner after that and really as to the team, but um, he has proven himself and he's proven he can come back from situations like this. I, I do think that he'll have a better second half. Now, will he have a great second half? I, I don't know. I, I just, I do think that like, as soon as you start counting out Jamer Candelario, he starts putting some good swings on the ball. And, you know, I mean, that does translate to a couple home runs this week and that, that it's big, but I mean, obviously is it, is it, is there any longevity in it? I don't know, but I'm, I'm not so worried about Jamer. I'm I'm really worried about Robbie Grossman though. Really worried about Robbie Grossman. I think this guy is. I mean, and I should look up his on base percentage because that's like that's like what he's known for. Um, and I, I in my heart of hearts, I want to believe that it's much worse. He's batting below 200. I know that. Um, but if we go to Baseball Savant or even Baseball Reference. And we look up Robbie Grossman. I'm just curious what his on-base percentage is for the year. Because I can't imagine that it's it's what it used to be. Um, his on-base percentage. Okay, it's still 313, which, I mean, is is fine when you're batting 200, I guess. That's still, you know, you, typically you want like a 100-point spread between those things. So he's still getting on base. For this Tigers team, it's not awful. True, true. But zero home runs. Uh, he has a total of 10 RBIs. Um, he has six extra base hits because he has no home runs. He has six doubles and obviously no triples, but he as a leadoff, yeah, his OPS plus the stat that we love most. He, uh, is 69, which again, hundred is the, is the benchmark. Uh, it, it, I'm worried because he's supposed to be the guy on the leadoff spot. That's like supposed to jumpstart the offense and time and time again, he just is his at-bats don't look as good as they used to. Um, now there's a point to this and we'll kind of get up to this, uh, up to speed on this and in the injury updates, but he did, he was taken out of the game today with neck spasm. So there could be something going on like on the background uh, with him specifically, but he just doesn't look like the same dude that he was last year. I'm not necessarily just basing it on, average because he only batted a 239 last year. I'm just kind of doing the eye test on him and he doesn't look like he's in the same place at least mentally that he was last year. 
Now, what is that? A lot of that could be the start the Tigers are on, or at least the run the Tigers are on. For reference sake, we are one game out of the worst record in baseball. The Cincinnati Reds have that, have that. And technically it's two games because there's uh, two games in the loss column, but the Reds are coming off a series win off the Giants and they almost swept them today. Um, the Reds are getting better. The Tigers are playing at least 500 baseball the last couple of weeks. Um, I think we need that spark plug. And last year it was Badu. And we don't have that this year. And Robbie was a great catalyst. He's not been that this year whatsoever. And if you're going to keep on putting him on the top of the order, which AJ, more power to you, that's fine. But he's got to start producing. Um, I actually, I loved it. We actually got a nice peek at Jamer Candelario leading off today because he replaced Robbie Grossman in the DH spot. And I actually really, really liked it. I think that was one of my takes from early in the year. I don't know if I said it on the pod or I know I said it to you at one point, but I actually really like Jamer leading off. I think uh, he could be, uh, it would be a good nice switch up for, for him to swap places um, with Robbie. But we always I, think I, of him as, as and I think it's just been because of necessity, but we always think of him as a power hitter or even just like a gap to gap guy that, that he wouldn't go well in, in the leadoff spot, or at least that was my line of thinking with him, but I completely agree with you today. I know he subbed in for Robbie when he went out, but he looked great. I I was not expecting him to look that great. And obviously the home run's going to make you feel quite a bit better about it, but Um, something important to note too. And and I think it's, it's important that we both picked veterans on this, you know, on this kind of take, I, the obvious answer might've been someone like a Torkelson or might've been someone like a Willie Castro or something like that, which Willie's slowed down quite a bit this last week. But I, I think what's keeping Torque around just as a, as a note, he is so good defensively. This kid can pick anything. And if you can catch like nine out of 10 wayward baseballs from Javier Baez, cause he's going to throw it everywhere. More power to you, dude. Yeah, you can you can be mediocre at the plate for now. Like, I mean, you got to turn it up eventually, and maybe it won't happen till next year. But like, I, honestly, I'd give him like an A plus defensively. Um, he's been a godsend over at first base, and and it made me wonder. I, I'm wondering if anything had to do with it. I, I know it's a little bit of a non sequitur, but just something I thought about today. Like, you know, a lot of people complained that he was learning third base when we drafted him. And the, the Tigers drafted him as a third baseman slash first baseman, which was caught us all off guard. But they had him it go was, to third base. They were base. very specific about that. Right, right. And they had him go to third base and probably learned a lot of defensive skills that now obviously a third base experiment done. But I wonder if it's made him a better first baseman. So I don't know who made that call. I don't know who did it. But he is clearly exceptional at first base. And I don't think that was really on the scouting report for Torkelson. We all knew about the bat. We all knew about the patience at the plate, but I didn't know that he was this good on the other side of the ball. He's been, I mean, he's been like prime Miggy over there, but I'm currently trying to uh, pull up his defensive run saved and trying to find defensive run saved on yeah, fan you'll graphs. Probably dis- is... You'll probably be disappointed by it. <laughs> well, right. But I, I'm cu- curious to see how he stacks up. I know. Well, when you find it, let me know and you, okay. can, you can interject, but it uh, sounds good. 
as uh, as a new week comes to a close, we have more injury updates. <laughs> I I would feel like these ones are actually more on the minor side, um, except for some disturbing news about a couple rehab assignments that went south. But uh, Grossman, as I said earlier, he did leave the game today with neck spasms. A uh, little concerning. Um, I, we'll see if he plays. Um, Miggy also left uh, last night's game, and he didn't play today. It seems like he had some cramping or some soreness in his lower back. It's typical. It happens to Miggy. I'm not too worried about it, but we'll see if he gets another day off tomorrow. And then, Josh, what is this team when we get very, very worried about Elvin Rodriguez when he starts cramping up, like what, what is this pitching staff that we're concerned about? Honestly, the, he's probably like the sixth string to come from Toledo. And we are all praying that he is okay. He threw a couple warm-up pitches and it was sad too, because he was in line for the win. The Tigers were up one Oh and fifth inning. He's done with his warm-up pitches and something grabs him in his leg. Um, seems like it was just some lower body cramping is what they're calling it, but that could be anything. It doesn't sound too serious. Um, but still, it's just so funny that Elvin Rodriguez, we're all worried about him. Uh, any thoughts on those couple injuries? Yeah. I mean, Elvin Rodriguez, it's so tough, dude, because on his injury is tough because on one hand it could be minor cramping which is what they were saying or it could be you know he tore a muscle and out for the year so the one the injury i feel like they would have said that though they were like i mean i know he's under further analysis but i i feel like if it was that drastic they would have probably said something i don't know we've already covered how clear the tigers have been on injuries that's true so i don't know that we need to give them too much credit there but it feels like, like you said, the injuries this week, pretty minor. I don't think they're uh, – I'm going to try to say that again. Uh, I don't think they're particularly concerned about Miguel Cabrera. I think that's just an age-related uh, ailment for him. I think that uh, he'll be okay. I th- it's just probably need to give him a couple days rest, let him, let him get his back back in order. Um, he's had some back issues before, so I think they're just giving him a little bit of time. Uh, Robbie, they said they gave him some sort of, I think it was like hypersonic. They give him the cortisone. They give him the cortisone. I I don't know about that. I, (laughs) I have some, I have some questions about that because not only did they pull him unceremoniously, but they also didn't say anything mid game. Yeah. We got an Elvin update on Twitter very before, quickly yeah before we got a robbie grossman update which came from aj post game i thought that was a little odd so i'm probably most concerned about robbie just because of we don't know a whole lot um i i tend to think that elvin's is probably just some sort of muscle related maybe cramping that's what it looked like anyway that's what i do when my muscles start to cramp up as i just you know you shake that leg out try to loosen the muscles and Clearly, I don't know. For him. Well, <laughs> it seems like whenever something's happened with a pitcher on the mound this year, their default is let's not make this any worse than it already is because we're already struggling. So that would be my take. I 
I'm really, really tired of these weekly, you know, injury updates because we're yeah. adding to the list every single week. We're not. Yeah, it's going to keep on going. It's going to keep we, on happening. Have we celebrated a successful return to a lineup yet? I mean, no. Robbie obviously came back and, and, and Javi very early in the year, but yeah. it, that's it, dude. That's been it. And yeah, uh, we, I texted you earlier when Elvin came out. I'm like, what is happening? I've never in any sport at any year ever seen something this ridiculous. Like it's, it seems like every single game at this point where we're, you know, texting back and forth about who left the game with an injury. It's, it's getting to just hilarious levels of, of pain for this team. I don't know how to, how else to yeah i mean it. at this point it's like not even a surprise it's like oh yep here we go another <laughs> another injury and i mean i think specifically to the pitching staff i think that's where we are most like for instance dallas keiko was dfa'd from the white Sox this week and i literally and i i mean yeah probably not a smart pickup but i literally had a moment i'm like should we just pick him up like he's like He's not going to be the, the, I think he's signed currently like a three-year, $55 million contract. They, they obviously had to pay him out of that. So like signing him wouldn't be exorbitantly expensive, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, but he sucks, <laughs> but he's just <laughs> another, he's just another body. Like we just need an arm that can kind of throw the ball over the plate. Dallas Keuchel has some kind of leverage because he's a Cy Young winner and I, I feel like that he might be able to help a team down the stretch I don't think it's the Tigers but it it's a problem when you know we we look forward to the five-man starting rotation that we have the names that we have going into the season and now all but one are gone it to Aaron, Aaron Sanchez got released from the from the Nationals today now that might be a pickup that I actually would love. He had, well, one, he was pretty great with the Blue Jays, but that was a long time ago. Completely different pitcher. But last year with the Giants, he had a couple of really good games. And honestly, like, even if he just settles back on down into a into a bullpen role, I mean, he could still throw. I that's I, I like that idea right there. I don't know. I feel like the Tigers need to start getting kind of active on this waiver wire or these these releases because. I don't, I don't see how it's going to go the other direction anytime soon. But on the positive note, we have a couple rehab assignments that began. Um, Ryan Kreidler is already back from him. I mean, he had a whole broken hand, right? He had a hit by a pit. It wasn't just. Well, he had surgery on his broken hand. It was a whole broken hand. What is this guy doing playing baseball? It, I feel like that was two weeks ago that he had surgery. I don't know. More power to him. He, is his is his nickname balling. already Wolverine? Like, is that is that just predetermined <laughs> at this point? Something. I mean, I'm minorly serious about that. No, I like, know he clearly had some healing powers or something. Because I mean, he he got up in his first pitch he saw, he roped a double. So I mean, I I don't know. I we'll see when we see him because again, he wasn't really out of spring training. He wasn't going to make the roster. But I feel like if people like, you know. Harold, or sorry, uh, Jamer, keep on struggling. Scope, keep on struggling. I don't necessarily think those are picks to like go down to Toledo, but they're obvious answers to like be on the bench for a game or two to give Kreidler at least a look. Um, and then Riley Green. 
the prodigal son. He <laughs> is returning. He is in uh, single A at the moment, the Flying Tigers, I believe. And he has a couple singles already. I know he went 0 for 4 in the first game. Um, I, I think they're playing this one kind of slow on purpose. But at the same time, when you see people like Robbie Grossman, when you see people like um, Derek Hill and Daz Cameron, who are injury prone, Victor Reyes, um, they might be hurrying him up a bit with this with this rehab assignment. So when do you think we see, at the very least, Green? I don't know when we see Kreidler, but when do you think we see uh, Riley Green? If you want to make a prediction on Kreidler, be my guest. So I know I read... I think it was last week sometime. I know their plan as of the before this weekend anyway was to, I know Kreidler was in Toledo and I think the plan for him was to just ease into that, to that again, just to give him a chance to, you know, reacclimate and kind of reevaluate from there. Green, I know they were planning on playing him uh, maybe two games this weekend in Lakeland and then tomorrow start him in triple a so i think triple a wow. that was that was the plan as of this past weekend before before the games i don't know if anything has changed pending how he did in those lakeland games i don't know an update on it i would assume that sometime either this week or this next weekend he will make an appearance in triple a uh what do you think like this some kind of setback the injury to Grossman accelerates it. Like what it like. So here's the thing that was their plan before the, their plan was for sure to have him in AAA before, before have him in AAA this next week before the Grossman injury. So I don't know that they're speeding him up. There's not a whole lot for them to speed him up to get to, if that makes sense. There's not a whole lot for him to come back to, you know? So I don't think that they're rushing him necessarily. They may be, the master plan maybe to have him in the big leagues by, you know, next weekend or, or the weekend after. Oh I don't know. Gosh. I don't Ooh. know. I I think I texted you that. I see we both, we, they both make an appearance on the Tigers by June 20th. Are you thinking that's like too liberal? You think that's too like non-aggressive enough? Like what? what For you green, I would a hundred percent agree. I think that might be even giving him too much time. Uh, Kreidler and, and the main problem that I'm coming up with, with both of these guys and really any of the minor leaguers position players that are, that are doing well. I mean, you throw Cody Clemens in there as well. Who, what, what kind of transaction has to happen? Because I think Daz Cameron, Daz Cameron. Derek so that's, so that's one thing we don't know. What the, I mean, right. Correct me if you're wrong. He's already on the 40 man. Who is that? Like, oh, we're, we're talking. Well, well, both of them are. Oh, but no, but they were each on the 60 day. Well, no, uh, that's weird because they were on the uh, Toledo injured list. So I don't Let know when you go, up. when you go on the Toledo injured list, like the minor league injured list, I don't know what that does to your 40 man. I don't know if you're able to find that answer, honestly. Um, well, I'm going to see whether he's on the 40 man. Cause I can, I can, you can, you can pull that up on MLB. Yeah, I think the interesting one, I, I think it's Kreidler. I, I don't know who he replaces. I, I mean, like, I, I think there's as crowded of as an outfield we have, I think Green is an upgrade, period. 
Um, and so they're going to make room for him and it, it's time and we need to, we need a spark for this team, but Kreidler, like he, I don't know if we see him immediately. I think he kind of still has some proving to do, uh, after this injury, I think he's done enough. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, if I'm Cody Clemens, I'm mad because <laughs> like, are we saying Cody Clemens now gets shafted because, because Kreidler's going to come back and, and take his realistically his spot that would have been that would have been his again my still I'm still holding on to it I, I don't care I, I I love defense and I think Torkelson's great at defense but we need to hit I think you do a mental reset for Torque down triple A that's the move you move if you're bringing Kreidler up if you're bringing Kreidler up and I think that's more justifiable for Kreidler than it is Cody Clemens did you, did you find anything on the 40 man? Yeah. So I have the 40 man up here. Um, the amount of pitchers that are on the injured list is just, it hurts every time I pull it up. Um, yeah. Outfielders. Yeah. So green is not on the 40 man. Yeah. So they have to make a 40 man. And that, that's the more interesting one is who do they have to like DFA? Crowler um, is also not on the 40 man. So that also makes that one a little bit more complicated because I don't mm-hmm. know if they they have a DFA move that they can make. Um, we'll see. It's exciting at the very least because they're at least playing baseball and doing baseball activities. And again, Kreidler, I have no idea what he's doing near a baseball diamond after breaking his hand. It must have been like a clean break, and then they were we, just able to go in there. And we even heard that he hit a home run off of uh, Casey Mize in Lakeland, like two or I think he two weeks fine. ago. He seems fine. Right. Like, I don't, I, some parts of me question the injury. Like, was it really as bad as they were saying it was? Cause <laughs> I, I mean, in surgery, you gotta have something wrong, but speaking of Casey, we actually heard some news on one Casey mice. It wasn't a lot of news, but we heard something that he's throwing from 60 feet. That that's something that a, major league starting pitcher needs to be able to do. So that's good. <laughs> I'm really glad that that's the case. Um, in all seriousness, I, I don't, I don't know when we see Casey. I don't know when he does another rehab start. And what's to say that like the next rehab start for him won't just end up like the last one. And then we're back to square one. I don't know. I, I wonder if we're just delaying the inevitable on, on Casey buys. Cause we did that forever, forever with the likes of Turnbull, Fulmer, and the list kind of goes on and on, but Matthew Boyd, I, Boyd, yeah, you're right, yeah. Um, it, it maybe just ripped the bandaid off, you know. I I don't know. We'll see. It 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 is nice to hear that he's not like having a lot of discomfort when he's throwing, but at the same time, then you add adrenaline, then you add intensity, then when you add pressure, I mean that ligament snaps eventually. Just, just going to say, like, I mean, that, that ligament's going to snap eventually. Like, whether it happens sooner or later, we will see. But on the more concerning note, uh, Matt Manning is now shut down indefinitely. Um, I think the words were, quote-unquote, came clean with some elbow discomfort, right? It was now, it was originally sh- shoulder, and now it's tendonitis in his elbow. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> So he's not throwing at all. Who knows if when we when we see Manning again, but he was on a rehab assignment and he was really he was probably realistically like a start away from coming back. And now now he is uh, shut down forever. 
Yeah, so I'm a lot less fatalist about mice. I know you are that way because he's your guy and you you just you you get a bad feeling about about him. I think this Matt Manning situation is a lot, a lot worse. Um I have some concerns, and I, I don't think I've mentioned this to you, but especially the last couple weeks here, I have some major concerns about Matt Manning as a major league player. And I don't know. I don't, I don't understand because he got, he got pulled from a rehab assignment in, I believe it was Toledo because of dehydration. It turned out as a major league athlete, your main job is to be prepared to be an athlete. And one of the main things to do with that is keeping yourself hydrated. Like that's basic information. You, you hear about that in high school, like, and, and it's not like your mom forgot to go down to Meyer and pick you up a, a Gatorade. Like you, you're a major league athlete. You're being paid quite a bit of money for a, for a minor leaguer. Cause you're a first round pick and you can't hydrate. I don't know how much of that is on, the Toledo staff or whoever's down there with him from the Tigers training staff, someone on someone, one writer, I cannot remember who this is. And I apologize if I, if I butcher this, but somebody was saying that he was acting quite a bit hungover, maybe. Whoa. Which is a big concern. Um, And then you hear this whole situation about him coming clean about him finally admitting to some elbow discomfort. And I, I, I'm the first one to appreciate someone trying to work through an injury. Uh, somebody who's just trying to pay, play through the pain and the grittiness. I, I love that in a player, but when it comes to a minor league player, a minor league pitcher and their throwing arm, their throwing elbow and hiding information about you know, feeling pain in an elbow, especially in today's day and age where, you know, elbow injuries are pretty common. I have some big concerns about that from a, from a very base perspective, just, I, that's not a very mature approach to any of this, any of this. No, I, I, I mean, it, he's like, isn't he still like 22? I mean, the, he's still young. He's 22, he's, he's very young. He came out of high school. Yeah. I, I mean, he, he's still super, super young. I think this is, a, a common trait among among young minor leaguers they they don't really know what to do with all of the it, really it's power like it, it's it's kind of a power trip when you're a major league baseball player and you know the world's in front of you um I, it, if he truly was like hungover and then having some crazy friday nights when he's on a rehab assignment yeah that's problematic i think he has the highest ceiling of any of these pitchers um, I am, I mean, Tarek Skubal, he has realistically eclipsed his ceiling. So I, I maybe maybe taking Tarek out of it, but like of the, of the four big ones that we always talk about, um, Manning always had like the Verlander vibe. Um, every time we've seen him, we always want him to be that Verlander but he never is like he he's always in the 92s. He sometimes pumps up to 95, 96. 
Um, but he doesn't have that power fastball and his curveball has not been good. And he's had to develop a slider to even stay competitive in the majors. But I still think that there's a good pitcher in there. I really do. I don't know if there's a top of rotation pitcher, but I, I think this is definitely one of those um, instances where, you know, you talk about it during draft season all the time where, oh man, are they going to take a high school pitcher? Are they going to take someone who is proven time and time again to either completely fall flat or sometimes one in a million chance they turn out to be fantastic. Um, maybe this one we struck out on because we haven't seen a lot from Matt Manning. There's still a lot of time, still a lot of time for him to grow into something, but yeah, he, he hasn't panned out yet. And at this point, yeah, if he's, if he's covering things up about his injury, that's also a concern on the Casey note. What I will say and I know it sounds fatalist, and I know it sounds probably a little dramatic. My viewpoint is I want Casey Mize to be the guy when we need him in game seven of the ALCS. That's not going to be this year. We don't need him this year. Just get the surgery. And so that when just, just, I'm just, I, we, I'm just saying like, like, why not just, I, and, and again, I don't even know if he like, again, like, I, I don't know if he needs it. I, I'm at this point, at this point, I'm, I'm kind of in the, in the ballpark of every pitcher is going to need it eventually. But I mean, Verlander just had it and he's 39. So, I mean, why not rip the bandaid off now when we're bad and we're not, and we're not looking to need him in, in a world series or a, or a playoff game. Um, so there's there's two there's two things about that that I I hundred percent I hear you on the if he if he needs it if he needs it then I think we can have the conversation. There's no way for us to know if he needs it or not. The second thing is you have to also take into consideration what he wants because as a player, I think if you can rest, I know if it was me, and if you said to me, hey. Let's take one, two, three months, rest this, and we can have you pitching at the end of this year. Or, hey, we're going to toss you into a surgery. You're going to rehab for nine to 12 months, and you won't be the same pitcher for another two years, maybe three years. You won't be back to your normal self, and then you'll be good for, for a long time. Well, yeah, but what is what does a pitcher wanting have to do with anything? I, I, I mean, like, I, it's just well, because it's it, his you health. Long- you have to, you yeah, have to, you you have to take into consideration – the, the person, the human being behind. Okay. It. That's great. And now we're stuck with a Spencer Turnbull who sits on the bench and is in Lakeland every other weekend. And we can't watch him pitch anymore. I don't, I like, it, there's going to be a time when this team needs Casey Mize. There's going to be a time. And if he's not there, when we need him most, th- we will look back on this moment and we'll be like, Hmm, should have just done it. Cause yeah, it, it's a long process. Yeah. He can be pitching within a year and a half. That's fine. But everyone says, we've talked about it before. It's about three years for you to really feel like you start to have some, some meat behind your pitches again. I foresee this team being very good in three years. I really do. If some things go our way, I would much rather them take the risk now. And again, if he needs it, just do it when we don't need him screw what he cares about. I don't care. You're going to come back and contribute to a bad baseball team. Why would he even care? I don't, I like, I, like, 
I, if I were in his, his position, I'd be like, no, I want to contribute to the good baseball team. I don't want to join this. We're, we're okay. We're going to delay this. I get it. He's a competitor. I get it. He's, but I would look at this team and be like, you know, we're going to cut our losses. You're thinking of it from a very, uh, organizational point of view. And that's how you have to look at these things. It's a rebuild for a reason. You have okay, to no, look at I, it. No, I understand that. And that's that's a fair point of view. I think the Detroit Tigers should take that view. But if you're Casey Mize, I don't think you're looking at it that way. That's just my opinion. I, I think we can definitely agree to disagree on, on the situation. I hesitate to make any sort of judgment on it without being in the room. If he needs the surgery as a fan and as a, as somebody looking at this with the even keel look at it, if he needs the surgery and he, they're giving him a choice, I think from the organizational standpoint that he needs to get it. I am a hundred percent with you, but with all of those caveats, because you know, his opinion does matter in this. You can't take that away from a human being. You can't say your opinion doesn't matter when it comes to your own body, because if he wants to make that decision, if he wants to make the decision to not get the surgery, you can't sit there and force him to. But all of that to say, definitely concerned, but I, I still think Manning is a lot more concerning. Yeah, I think at the, at the short term, for sure. Absolutely. Um, there's definitely some both elbow concerns and mentality concerns with Manning. Um Transitioning from the major league ball club and some major league conversation, you know, as the team sits at 17 and 29, it's sometimes tough to find a whole lot of things to be excited about when it comes to the Tigers themselves. But this is a whole organization. We have some minor leaguers who are doing some things down in the likes of Toledo and Erie. And I thought we would take this opportunity to point out some key contributors um, in the minor leagues. And for this week, and this might be like an ongoing topic, or we might just do like how the Toledo Mud Hens are doing or how the Erie Seawolves are doing. But for this week, I thought we'd just pick a couple players that have been standouts. And my pick this week, I'm going to be completely honest, I had never heard of this guy before, honestly, Friday night. I, I had never heard that this this individual existed. His name is Kerry Carpenter. He plays for the Erie Seawolves, so he's in double A. And there's an article um, posted on the SB Nation blog, uh, Detroit Tigers blog, bless you boys. Um, the article is written by Trevor Huth, and a lot of my thoughts come from there. Um, but this guy is hitting a 345. This is in 40 games. A 345 with now amended 16 home runs in just 150 at-bats. Now, this is all, of course, minor league pitching, and so you have to take it with a grain of salt. It never translates as we see with torque, okay? It's completely different. But just to do a fun little experiment, how many Detroit Tigers would it take to get to 16 home runs total? for them to even equate to what Kerry Carpenter is doing right now in double A Erie. I mean, you have the likes of, you would have to total up Javi, Austin Meadows, who has zero, Robbie Grossman, who has zero, Miguel Cabrera, Harold Castro, Willie Castro. I mean, we're not even at, at this point, we're not even at 13 or 14. And this guy has 16 home runs. I know, I get it. 
he is in the minor leagues and you can't just pull him up. The other problem is he's an outfielder. Um, and so don't know if there's a lot of room for him, but he's making a case to at least be on the radar for a call up to, to triple a at the very least, but then also he's putting his name on a lot of people's radars as an organizational talent. Um, he did a lot of swing approaches in the off season. looks like he's kind of taken the Josh Donaldson approach um, and looking for more loft um, swing for the fences. It was what they, what they used to call it. But I mean, this guy last year in like 500 at bats, he only had 15 home runs. He's already eclipsed that and surpassed it now in 150 at bats. Clearly, whatever he's doing, clearly whatever uh, trainers working with him, whatever hitting coaches working with him is doing a lot of good things, and something to be excited about. Because when you hear people like um, Kerry Carpenter and not the Riley Greens or the Ryan Kreidlers or you know the 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 obvious choices, like oh, there is another level of minor leaguers that like we don't hear all the time, but it, they could also carry a, a team because those, those are what make playoff teams real are, are those, you know, players, those fill in players that f- just kind of fill in the roster. They're not the guy. They'll always be the guy, but they're just at the very least a contributing player. And Kerry Carpenter could be that in a couple of years time. Who is your minor leaguer of note, Josh? I'm going to go with a little bit better known uh, player, but not for the reasons you might think. Uh, I'm going to go with Detroit Tigers pitcher, Wilmer Flores. Uh, The flow himself. The flow himself. uh, That name might sound familiar to you. Uh, That's because Wilmer Flores is also a, uh, I believe he's an infielder for the San Francisco Giants. Yeah, he's like uh, a utility player. And the same Wilmer Flores runner. that cried when he was traded. By to like when he was initially traded, that was the famous scene with him on the Mets. He was on the field, and that was the big hug watch. He was traded, supposedly. I forgot what team, maybe the Braves or the Brewers or something. That trade ended up not happening. But yes, sorry, he is the brother of said crier of the trade, who now plays for the San Francisco Giants. They have the same name. Those family dynamics got to be kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, one of those call one and see who see who shows see which up. One shows up. I think, and I don't have I don't have proof of this, but I think there's a third Wilmer Flores too. Yeah, I, I think we looked it up the other night. Yeah. I think there is a younger brother as well. Uh, this one uh, pitcher, and I I for those who don't know, I live in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I live very close to the Fort Wayne Tin Caps ballpark here and they're in the same uh, Midwest league that the West Michigan Whitecaps are in. And I was really hoping that he would, he would last in West Michigan so that I could, I could see him down here in, in Fort Wayne, but he lit up the Midwest league. Like I've never seen a pitcher do before. I don't recall having seen a pitcher, uh, you know, expose the entire Miss West West league as badly as he did. Um, He's made his they called him up. He's made his double A debut. He did the same exact thing in double A. I mean, almost a carbon copy of, of what he is, what he's been doing in, uh, in West Michigan. He did up in Erie. Um, I have his stats for this minor league season. Uh, he has pitched 29 innings so far across two, uh, across two levels. 
Uh, he is 2-0. He has a 2.48 ERA. He has, like I said, 29 innings pitched. He has 49 strikeouts. Jeez. In how many? 29, 29 innings? 29 innings. I, he's, he's, he's averaging over two strikeouts an inning. And, you know, you like, that's great. You expect this guy to to have the strikeout numbers. Typically, they don't have that great of control. They've just got some great stuff. How many walks do you think he has, Casey, in twenty nine innings? And this is this is what I was going to ask you. These the stats like this are important for minor leaguers because the splits, while maybe ERA or whatever, and I think his ERA is great or whatever, these are what really translate into the majors. Uh, I'm going to take a guess. I'm going to say five walks. You nailed it. He has five walks I, and 49 <laughs> Oh, did you cheat? <laughs> no, I didn't cheat. No, I, I remember reading a stat line recently, and that, that was the number that stuck out at me. But, yeah, five walks. I mean, he's, he's his whip is 0.3 or 0.931, excuse me. I don't know what his future looks like. He's 21. They signed him as an undrafted free agent out of junior college in Arizona. Which is also mind blowing. Um, I don't know what his future looks like in this organization. Obviously he just got called up to double a. So that's where they say the, the, the rubber meets the road when it comes to pitching is, is in double a that's when the hitters really evolve and really start to try and figure people out. Um, I am excited to watch this kid grow and develop. Uh, I think this kind of thing is is huge. Uh, he has to continue at a double A for me to to really believe in him as a future option. But I'm excited. He's a young guy. He's got a lot of years left. He's got a lot of chances left. And if he continues to show out like he has, I uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for sure. What I'm most impressed about about Wilmer Flores is is the build. He does not look like a pitcher whatsoever. The dude is massive. He looks like a middle linebacker. Um, and I think six four two twenty five is what baseball <laughs> reference has him at, which is, I mean, he's starting for the Detroit Lions defensive line. Um, the dude, the dude's electric when you watch him. He doesn't, and I don't, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. He doesn't throw very hard. He's sitting like ninety two, ninety three. Um, and so it's just he's dotting corners. What I love is. Uh, one of his first starts with um, the white caps, he has this that made the rounds where his hat fell off. And I mean, he has a bunch of hair. He has a lot of flow. That's why I call him the flow. He has a lot of luscious long locks and his hat fell off when he struck someone out. And I think it was really cool. Cause it was like a curveball, and he got him swinging and he throws the pitch, whatever hat falls off and he just dips his head and he catches it in like the smoothest thing. And it wasn't necessarily the catch that was so cool. He put it back on his head and it was all just like a motion that he's like practiced 50 million times. I'm like, this has happened to you before, dude, this is <laughs> clearly they need to find a hat. That's a little bit tighter for you, but I'm here for it. Um, that gift instantly made me fall in love with him. And yeah, as we're following him through the ranks, he is incredibly, incredibly astounding to watch. Even more crazy that he went undrafted. We could have our, our next Tarek Skubal story, but even even crazier because Tarek, I think, was taken like 20, some on 20 rounds. Um, Wilmer Flores was undrafted and he elected free agency. So 
I, I think I think we have a good one on our hands. Um, look out for those couple names, Carrie Carpenter and Wilmer Flores, sometime in the near future. Our around the league for this week. Um, this one, I don't even know, dude. I, I don't even know where to begin with, with my around the league this week. Some kind of tussle happened between Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham. And it is the funniest thing ever. So if we rewind uh, at this point, I think it was Friday night's game, right? Friday's game. And like just before it came out, there were some weird things like Jock had asked the Cincinnati Reds to take Tommy Pham out of the lineup. And then it was weird because they actually did. And so, like, he he got taken out of the line. We're like, what's happening? And then, like, as it kind of – the story snowballs and we start hearing more and more things, then Jock Peterson's eventually finally interviewed about it. Turns out Tommy Pham just went up and straight up Will Smith, Jock Peterson, in the outfield during warm-ups and slapped him across the face. And, of course, Jock Peterson didn't take too kindly to this. But then the question is, like, why? What happened? Like what, what, I mean, Tommy Pham seems to be a little bit of a drama king, queen, like he's always a little dramatic and he always has something to say about something. Um, And Jock Pearson, same thing, Mr. Pearls from, from last year. Like he hasn't been the same player this year, although he did just have a three home run game uh, after sitting down. The dude has a blonde bleached mustache. Right, right. After sitting down with Barry Bonds, he uh, magically hit a three three home run game. I don't know what what's going on there, but you know. so he gave up the steroids. Oh, I see. Right, right. Um, but Tommy Fan goes up and just absolutely cold clocks him, and then we learn about what it's about. It's literally uh this whole diatribe from Jock Peterson about a fantasy football league that they're in together. And that, and that Tommy Pham did something with the restricted list that was like not party rules or not, or not house rules. And, and Jock got mad and then Tommy got mad at Jock and then just escalated the whole situation. And it's like in, in Jock, there's literally, there's literally like video of him showing the text thread between the two of them. And it's like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, this is really, I'm, I'm of the mind that it's a complete joke. I I think that they are just completely pulling the league's finger. Tommy Pham got a three game suspension for this, which is hilarious. I don't know. Maybe they're making like a prank on like the suspension stuff and like how it's just always seems to be literally, Oh, what do we feel like giving him this time? I, I think it's hilarious. I don't, I don't, I don't know why this story has captivated the likes of major league baseball but it it is quite funny and and if tommy fam he has said some things that like jock pearson said some bad things about the padres organization which tommy fam hasn't played for the padres for like a year and so it's like okay great you now play for the reds dude like who cares this whole fight is hilarious and I'm ready for the benches to clear because of it. Cause it's, it's next time they meet at least because the feud between Tommy Pham and Jock Pearson will forever live on. It's great. It's a great time. If it was any other two people, I would be much more prone to like 
take this seriously and 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 actually have a real hot take on it or but but you literally have the guy that that told reporters that he's literally in Cincinnati to get numbers and get paid. He literally said that to reporters. <laughs> and you have I don't even know how to describe Jock Peterson in one sentence. I mean, the guy's a clown. Uh, I clown might be a little harsh, but he, he's a, he's a character for sure. And except them, the, them two being the ones that are are involved in this, just you you. It's like you can't believe what you're hearing, right? And then you see a video of Tommy Pham going up to Jock Peterson and open-handed slapping him in the face like (laughs) i don't know dude the fact that he got a three-game suspension i think is probably the only thing of note in this whole conversation like that's a whole conversation for another day in major league baseball the whole suspension rules and or lack thereof and and all of that but dude I, you and me laughed so hard about this. Like, there's nothing else you could do at this point. I mean, you have thing one and thing two doing their doing their business over here. I guess I don't know. Where's Cat in the Hat? Where Where is he? <laughs> I don't oh, know, that's Gabe Kapler. Oh, all right. What is your around the league for the week? <laughs> so we both have some very specific thoughts on the leagues take the last two years to introduce the city connect jerseys to, to major league baseball. We both have Ooh. a very <laughs> uh, specific take on it. Um, Is that specific enough for you? That, that was very specific. Yes. Um, the reason I bring it up is this week, the uh, Colorado Rockies um, announced slash date well i think they're about to debut them this next week but they they released what they look like the images and the and the posing and them and everything and i think they're fire i think they look really good um i know that a lot of what they're what they're what nike is claiming to do with these is to either accentuate what the city or state that they're in the area do something to um bring that to net more national attention, kind of highlight that or to introduce something that is pretty niche for the area and, and to kind of accentuate that. Um, I think they did. They nailed it with these. The Rocky, the Rocky ones are cool. Uh, they're, they're, they're nice and green. They've got, they look like the, the Colorado license plate and the hats are sick and it makes sense. Um, but I thought it would be a kind of a fun conversation between you and me. And I know we've had the conversation before a little bit, um, just kind of general thoughts on the whole city connect jerseys and what it might look like when the Tigers get there next year, because um, after the Rockies are done so far this year, the nationals have got them, the Astros, the Royals, the Rockies have gotten them. And then next up for the rest of this year, the angels brewers and Padres will get them the rest of the year. And it was announced that by the end of 2023, every Major League Baseball team will have one. And so I thought it would be kind of fun to break down what we think the Tigers should do for this or what Nagy should do for the Tigers on this one and whether we think it's going to be a complete failure or a smash hit or, or what, what do you think about the Connect jerseys and the Tigers? I think they're trying too hard, dude. I, <laughs> I, I, here's the thing. I, I think this round of them, has been much better this this 2020 
round of the or 2022 rather uh round of them the 2021 jerseys i don't know of of one of them that was cool i i think they were all like i i like the wrigleyville ones but apparently there's a lot of fan uproar about that that like the cubs have nothing to do with wrigleyville like like that's not like a name for wrigley field or anything i thought it was kind of cool i don't know it, there was a lot of uproar about about all of them and it's just like my thing is just like why why face the headache like, I don't like, for instance, yes, the Rockies ones are cool. I don't know how Colorado fans feel about the Rocky ones. I don't know what the, the general uh, idea is behind them um, or the general, the general opinion is on them. But then we see, and we're assuming, right, because we saw them in the jerseys and they were doing the photo shoot. Then we see the Angels ones leak. And it's hilarious that they're leaking. But like, they're just so plain and boring and it's essentially just like their home jerseys. Like they're just, they change the font. Okay, cool. My problem is, is it doesn't seem like Nike and I know they do this for other sports too. And, and they probably crash and burn in the other sports too. It doesn't seem like Nike, like takes the time to like talk to like a team representative about it. They're just kind of doing it. And like, like these teams have people for this. They have marketing like whole departments that you could like reach out and talk to them like hey let's brainstorm something about and and i know i'm certain the tigers are going to do some kind of motor city thing and it's going to be stark orange and it's going to be the ugliest thing we've ever seen <laughs> i'm just i just don't understand why why the headache like i don't understand like it, some of them are cool the astros ones i think we talked about at one point the 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 space flight ones um kind of inspired by you know, their space endeavors because they're the Astros. Uh, cool. Well, and NASA, NASA's in Houston, Texas. So. Thank you. I knew there was some connection I wasn't making there. Yes. Okay. Yeah. NASA's in, in Texas, um, in Houston. Um, those are cool, right? Th- those have a special place in my heart because I really wanted one of those hats. Colorado ones, again, cool, whatever. But like, then you just completely strike out with the other 10 of them. And it's like, what's the point? What's even the point? How much do these cost to make? Who's like, <laughs> so my, my kind of take on, I, I, I know you're not the biggest fan of the concept in general. I just appreciate I think- the old English D that's all. And I, and I, <laughs> I, I appreciate keeping that sacred. I know you don't like it. I know I wish whoa, whoa, I hope whoa. and I pray we've had this conversation before i i appreciate the old english d i don't want it to go away i like it the the detroit tigers home jerseys are classic and i think they should keep them around i think that they need to spice up their jerseys they have a home white and they have an away gray and it's been that way forever yeah the away grays suck yes we both agree on that they could they could definitely use a redo um I think if they introduced alternate or maybe whatever their city connect Jersey is, if they have just something else to spice it up, whether it's home or away, I would appreciate that. At least the attempt. My whole thing on the city connect jerseys is I think a lot of them were, I I think Nike doesn't make enough of an effort to contact these teams. Like you were saying, or just to get the general vibe of what's going on, especially with last year's. I mean, I, I could have missed a memo or something, but, the Boston Red Sox jerseys are yellow, mustard yellow and baby blue. 
And the worst part is I actually kind of like those ones. I just like it for the laugh factor and like the pop factor. I don't actually. It's it. it's definitely to catch your eye, but I, I don't know if there's a backstory that I haven't heard or what, but those ones didn't make any sense to me. It, it seemed like they were like, well, there's not really a mustard yellow team in the league. That's that ridiculous. Uh, you have the, a lot of people like the Miami ones. I don't 100% get why it's red, but those, a lot of people like those ones. And then you have great ideas in ones like the Giants. The Giants ones are white and they're orange, but they put like clouds on them to represent the fog that happens in San Francisco, I guess. Cool. It, just makes, <laughs> it just makes the jerseys look almost un, unreadable, how, how it blends in with the actual jersey color. So you have some of them that look like they weren't thought out at all. And then you have some of them that look like they were a great idea to start with and just were poorly executed. Uh, I, I th- my opinion is these, this year's ones, I haven't hated one this year, the nationals cherry blossom jerseys, I think are super cool with the pink and the, and the gray. Like you said, the Astros ones look great. Uh, I actually learned something about Kansas city with the Kansas city Royals ones. Like it, apparently it's a fountain city. And I asked my wife who's from the, the Missouri, Kansas city area. And she was like, Oh yeah, it's the fountain city. And I was like, I had no idea, but apparently those it's actually sick. a thing. And, well, and th- well, those look cool. The logo on them looks really sick. Um, we both like these Rockies ones. Jury's clearly out on these angels ones that leaked. We don't know what actually is going on there, but I just want them to Nike. I mean, do right by these teams, including the Tigers in the next year and a half here. And I just need them to take their time, think everything through and get the opinion of the teams. As long as they make an honest effort to do right by these cities. I think this is a great idea because baseball isn't known for alternate uniforms. Really? I don't think. Uh, They're known a lot more for throwbacks, and I think that's a great idea. But for teams like the Tigers, who haven't changed their jerseys in forever, and for good reason, uh, it's it's definitely difficult as a fan because you kind of want something to spice it up a little bit. I know you don't feel that way. You're very much a traditionalist when it comes to the the Tigers jerseys, and that's okay. But I I think that this is a great idea, but poorly executed all around by, by Nike and Major League Baseball. But that's my around the league. I don't mean to drone on about jerseys, which may seem kind of trivial. No, but I, I'm ready to eat my words about it. I'll tell you that. If they come out and, and I have to buy a hat, I will be the first to tell everyone and I will be the first to eat my words that I was wrong. But I just, I don't know. I don't, it seems I hope, like the thing that, that people mess up for the city of Detroit. We just kind right. of have that Detroit versus everybody thing. And it, it seems like something that they're they're just going to completely completely mess up but i understand i uh, i hope someone more creative than i comes together with the tigers organization and says what what would look good and then puts out on the field but we'll find out in 2023 <laughs> um not in 2023 another five game series against the twins oh, man any team but the twins at this point this week we have another five game series against the twins this this schedule is 
atrocious. They, I mean, I'm glad we're changing it next year. And I, a, a lot of it has to do with the lockout. I get it. And rain out to this point too, but like my goodness, I have no words. Um, and then we have three games against the Yankees. <laughs> how do we, in how New do York. we think in, in the, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. How do we think the Tigers are going to fare this week? So, and I was just looking today, it looks like the, the twins has have had some injuries themselves the last weekend, this last weekend. I know gray went out with an injury as well as, Oh shoot. I'm going to forget. Uh, they had another pitcher, another starting pitcher. Uh, I know Paddock went out a couple weeks ago with Tommy John. Well, but yeah, um, there's another starting pitcher. I can't remember which one uh, went out with Joe, an injury. Joe Ryan, not Joe Ryan. He's a, I don't he's think so. Guy. Um, and then they called up Royce Lewis, and he was just he got pulled from the game after colliding with a wall. So it looks like they're a little hobbled. I think, and this could be the optimistic one. The, the optimistic call here, but I definitely think we could, we could potentially win this ser- this five game series against the twins, especially them coming off of a, a tough weekend uh, injury wise. I think, uh, I think it's, if we've got a shot, their games at home, we typically win at least one game, the first game of the double of a double header this year. That's our talent. Um, so I think winning three isn't, out of the question, I can see a world where we win four. I can also see a world where we lose all five. So uh, <laughs> there's that. And if we can steal a game from the, the Yankees, who are, are playing some great baseball right now, I think that I think they, they, call that a, call I think they just lost the series against the Rays. Which oh, I mean, did they? Rays, yeah. Or they split the series. They didn't, they didn't play okay. the best baseball. But I mean, yeah, I mean, they're still the Yankees and they still have a lineup that's really scary. <laughs> I think if we somehow squeak out three games against the twins, I'm going to be very excited. And so maybe a series win. And then, yeah, I'm right there with you with the one game against the Yankees at New York is a very important uh, part of that equation, whether you think it's a minor league ballpark or not. Um, I think truly one game would be something to, to write home about. Um, The pitching matchups, are you know just abysmal as ever for us uh i know we're doing a bullpen game the first game it looks like of um the doubleheader on tuesday brisky goes tomorrow first first game's a bullpen game and then it's still tbd for the second game um and then we're tbd throughout the entirety so you assume that obviously somewhere in there scoobal goes and then we don't have scoobal for the new york series which at this point, he's like the one that we can kind of count on. Right. Exactly. Um, So, yeah, so I I would really like to see at least one from the Yankees, but I, every time we see the twins, I always, they look so gettable. And then we just go there and just absolutely fall on our faces. Oh, Carlos Correa. Um, any predictions for this week um, outside of the outside of the series of games? Any any things you're looking for? Um, I would say the biggest thing to keep an eye on this week is I I hate I hate like obviously we're gonna keep be keeping a keep a track of Green down in uh, wherever he ends up being this week. 
I think that's a big thing to watch for this week. Um, the other thing to kind of look out for, I think, is I think the Tigers sweep the doubleheader. I think that's what I'm going to predict mm-hmm. here. That was, was going to be mine. Oh, no. <laughs> that's okay. That's all right. I can come with we, we didn't collaborate. We should, probably should have. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, would, I would also agree with that. I, I would love to. Obviously, that'd be a, a great day for Tigers baseball if we could somehow inch across two games. Um, I would say, and it's it's just going to go right back to uh, maybe a depressing note. We'll probably see a couple more injuries this week. <laughs> week i don't i don't know where they're gonna be i'm not gonna call out any names but probably be probably be a, at least one more injury out there um that is of note i guess i should say too of note um any closing thoughts josh uh i don't believe so no i think uh i think we're 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 looking good for this week a lot of tigers baseball to digest a lot to break down this next week um Hope everybody has a very happy and safe Memorial Day. Um, looking to going to watch a ton of baseball and and just relax. So, absolutely. Uh, where can they find us on the social medias? We are at Old English D Pod on Twitter, um, and then we're we're I'm trying this week to get another podcast up on YouTube. I think we had a couple of views over there where you guys nice. like to have that on there. Um, and then I do have on Spotify, I have a, a kind of a question up. It's a way that for you guys to get involved and for you guys to respond. If you want to just leave us some kind of note, I have a question on there. It's whether, whether you think that we should uh, make this podcast longer every week, whether you think we should just shut up and stop talking and make it a little shorter, <laughs> uh, whatever you guys think, if you just want to want to give us your thoughts on that, it's up on Spotify. We get to see it. We get to see the, the feedback on it. it makes it super easy. If you guys want to do that, we'd love to see the feedback. Um, other than that, I think, uh, I think that's it. My, my close group of friends are absolutely laughing right now because they're like Casey Rose being quiet at, or like, you know, like shutting up about anything ever once. <laughs> I'm quite a belabored person, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like we're, we're chiming these out, like right, just over an hour. And that, that for me is, seems like a sweet spot uh, just because I know that I have podcasts that I listen to. And it seems like that seems to be where a a good number is. Um, But then there's also four hour podcasts that I listen to and I I absolutely love them. And then there's 30 minute podcasts that just are short and sweet and they, they get to the point. I, I think somewhere in there is obviously, obviously the sweet spot and we've kind of settled on an hour. So yeah, please let us know um, what you think. And I think if that's all we have to say, I think that's going to be all. Yeah. As, as Josh said, have a fantastic Memorial day and a fantastic week of tigers baseball. And as always go tigers.